This podcast is a presentation of Faith Assembly of God, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Get more information online at faithishere.org to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 11 a.m. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your week. Take your Bibles out. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. How many came ready for the Word of God today? Hope you have your Bibles ready to follow along with us. Good to be back home. Missed you guys last week. I want to let you know when I was on my honeymoon cruise, I thought about you guys every day. (laughs) It is good to be back. We have, uh, by the way, uh, for the brunch next Saturday morning, Lindy Johnson will be speaking. You don't want to miss it. God is using Lindy and Josh in incredible ways in Nepal. And uh, so ladies, sign up in the foyer. It will be a very rich experience for you next Saturday morning. We uh, began the year out looking at the purposes of the church, why we're here. Why has God placed faith in some of God strategically where we're at today? And we determined there are four basic purposes of the church, why God has raised us up, and one of the reasons we're here is to encounter God. Every time we come together, we've got a sense that God is in the house. God, we're coming to meet you. And we looked at the incredible story of the life of Jacob, how that a man encountered God. He had those God encounters all along his journey and the visions he had and, and how he was contrasted from his brother Esau, who was a profane person, could care less about God. And then we begin to look at our next purpose, and that was equipping believers to do the work of the ministry. That's one of the reasons God has raised us up to be an equipping station. And so the Lord took me to First and Second Timothy. And we are in our last sermon this morning on equipping or training good soldiers. The series will be out there if you want a copy of the six tapes or CDs from this Second Timothy. As we wrap up today, equipping believers to do the work in the ministry, which really leads us into our next purpose, and that's missional. We are to evangelize this world, evangelize our neighborhoods, evangelize the world, take the gospel wherever we go. And so we're kind of coming out equipping, but we are equipped for a purpose. We're equipped for a reason. It's not to say, look how smart I am or how much Bible I know, but it's to take it out and be witnesses in the kingdom of God. And so that's what we're looking at now as we are launching our missions convention. This is what all the equipping has been about. It takes us to this point in time. And then in in a couple of weeks, we're going to begin our last uh, purpose, and that's embracing one another. And we're going to talk about 40 days of community, how that we're going to be ministered to one another, but also the community all around us. And it's going to be a very, very exciting time. Listen, you're going to get in groups, and you're going to be hosting groups, and we're going to grow together, and it's going to be phenomenal. So I'm excited for October to roll around as well. Let's look at what Paul had to tell his beloved son in the faith, Timothy. Getting close to the end, some very powerful words. I want to talk about finishing well this morning. 2 Timothy 4 and verse number 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, 
but also to all those who have loved his appearing. Oh, what a day that's going to be. But are you going to be ready? Are you going to be ready? Father, I pray today that as we open up your word, you'll open up our hearts and our minds, our understanding that we'll receive what you have for us. I pray, God, that this place will be filled with a room full of people who will finish well, who will run the race, who will fight the good fight, who will never stop pursuing you. We thank you, God. We thank you for your sweet presence here. Open up your word to our hearts and minds, we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Turn to someone and say, it's how you finish the race that counts. You may be seated. God bless you. Paul, as you know, has been writing his beloved son in the faith, Timothy, from a prison cell. He is awaiting his execution. You know, the apostle Paul, a giant in the faith, an incredible writer. We get much of our theology through the Holy Spirit, through the apostle Paul. Death at the hands of the Romans would be soon, and it would be swift. How many know that a a great person's Last words are very significant words. Those last few words you say on the earth allow us to look into your heart and evaluate your life. All on those last words. And as Paul is coming down to the end of his life, he's expressing no regrets. There's no bitterness. There's no anger there. There's no, I wish I could have or I should have done this or that if if only I had done things differently. But he has no regrets. He says, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. There's no regrets in his voice. There's a couple of very colorful word pictures the Apostle Paul uses as he describes his own execution. He's not talking about his time of being beheaded or how he's going to die or how hard it's going to be or how cruel it's going to be, but he uses some very unique, colorful words to describe his death. I want to give you those this morning. The first, he says, I am being poured out like a drink offering. I am ready to be poured out like a drink offering. What is he talking about? Well, the Romans had a tradition at that time. At the end of their meal, they would take a cup of wine, a glass of wine. They would pour out it on the ground as a sacrifice to their gods. And so that was their libation or that was their sacrifice to the gods. They poured the wine out on the ground. And so the apostle Paul is basically saying this, Caesar is not going to take my life, uh, but I pour my life out for the gospel's sake. I pour my life out as an offering to almighty God. I am laying my life down for him. I am being poured out as a drink offering and sacrifice to my God. You see, that's a, that's a natural conclusion of the Apostle Paul's life when you look at it and when you sum it all up because he says in Romans chapter 12 and verse number one that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And so he says, my whole life has been poured out to God as a living sacrifice. And when they come and they take my life and the end is near, it's an offering up to the Lord. And then he uses another word picture to describe his death. He says, the time of my departure 
is at hand. Now, this word departure in the Greek language is very colorful. It describes about three different things here that I want to bring up to you today. The word departure would be used when they would have a big ship in harbor, and they would come and they would untie those big, long, strong ropes, and they would send that boat out to sea. And so when they would unloose the lines, it described the departure of that particular vessel into the sea. And so what Paul is saying is, uh, my release from this world is at hand. The ropes are about to be untied, uh, and I'm about to set sail for all eternity. Uh, He says, I am like a sailor starting on a brand new journey. What an incredible view of death. I'm like a sailor, and I'm getting ready to enter into a new journey. The time of my departure is at hand. And it's not a departure into darkness. It's not just the body being laid into the ground, uh, but it's a departure into the marvelous light of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and of God. It's not a departure to some unknown destination, uh, but I want to tell you, if you are a child of God, when you leave this world, you immediately are in the presence of the Lord. We know where we are going. We know where our home is going to be. Nero declared, Paul shall die But Paul says, my ship is just moving to the next harbor. That's a great, great view of death. We, uh, we, my wife and I, we got to go on a cruise. And we got on this cruise ship. It wasn't the carnival like you saw on the video last week. That was something the editors put behind us. But we were actually on the Royal Caribbean, the freedom of the seas. It's the largest Boats on water today, largest cruise ship, let me put it that way. They, it will hold 4,200 passengers and about 2,000 employees on that boat. So there's about 6,000 plus people floating on the water. And it's like a massive city. They have a promenade mall down in the middle. They have an ice rink on the lower floor. They've got a place on the back where you can do surfing. I mean, not, uh, not, yeah, surfing. You, you surf on the water, and you can rock climbing walls, and all that kind of stuff is there. In fact, there was so much to do, I never saw Jeannie all week long. I was just at every, every activity there was. Check in at the end of the day. You know, that's kind of the way the cruise ship goes. But I want to tell you, when they built that massive cruise ship, it wasn't designed to sit in the harbor. That's not why it was built. It had a grander purpose than that, and the purpose was to sail the seas. And, and when they got ready to leave on the first day, you leave, we left out of Port Canaveral. And so they're getting ready to leave the port and they have this sail away party. And so on the, uh, the top deck upstairs, everybody kind of gathers around and, and they're watching as you're going to pull out off of that dock or whatever it is and you leave that port and you begin to sail out in the ocean they have their sail away party i want to tell you every time a child of god dies uh, it's a sail away party because they are immediately ushered into the presence of the lord Uh, and so we celebrate that's why the word of god says blessed in the eyes of the lord is the death of a saint Uh, it's a sail away party and paul says my sail away party is getting real close Uh, the time of my departure is at hand and i can't wait and really it comes time at your death to fulfill that grand purpose for which Christ created you 
set sail to be in his presence. The second word picture for the word departure is, it was a word that was used to describe taking down tents. And so you'd have a tent set up and you would untie the ropes and you would drop the tent and you would, uh, it was a soldier, he'd take his tent down, he'd fold it all up and then he'd go to his next destination and set it up all over again. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul's using this analogy when he describes his body. Listen to this description. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, Not because we want to be unclothed, uh, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. This is why we were made. This is why we were created. This is our purpose. Listen, you're only on this earth a few years, guys. I want to tell you, eternity is forever who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are also always confident knowing that while we are at home in this body, in this earthly tent, we are absent from the Lord. Uh, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, we are confident, yes, well, please, whether to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's what it's all about, church. Now, Paul says we got, it's like a tent. How many know the older you get, the more the tent starts to wear out? The more it leaks. <laughs> I won't elaborate on that. <laughs> Gets all wrinkled, not very tight anymore. It just kind of begins to sag. You've seen the tent after a few years, rips and tears and everything else imaginable. But he sent the tents coming down. The time of our departure is at hand. That tent stakes are ready to come out of the ground. Ready to move on to my next habitation. And Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The third analogy for this word departure is that was used for loosing a prisoner. So if you had a prisoner who was bound, uh, setting him free and taking him out of jail and taking him out of prison uh, was his departure. I want to tell you, Paul says again, the time of my departure is at hand. I am facing release, not execution. Now listen, children, listen, listen to me. When you face death in your life, in your family, in your home, if you will begin to take Paul's words to heart and understand that biblical concept of death. Then you can go to 1 Thessalonians. We don't grieve as those without hope. Uh, but we can talk about our homegoing party, our celebration, uh, the time of our departures at hand. Uh, we can have a sail away party at every single funeral for a child of God. Amen. Now, Paul uses three analogies to describe his journey. 
And these will make the substance of my message this morning. Number one, he says, I have fought the good fight. Everybody say that with me. Fought the good fight. How many fighters we got in the house? Uh, Every one of your hands ought to be up. I fought the good fight. Now the word in that in the Greek language is the word agon, A-G-O-N. It is the source of our word for agony. I have fought the good fight. It's the picture of the athlete coming off the field uh, and he's given all he has on the field of battle. In fact, it's not just a boxing terminology. This word agon was used to describe any Olympic game or any Olympic contest. Uh, And he says, I have competed. uh, I have fought uh, and it's been a good fight. I have been in the arena fighting for God. I've been fighting for the souls of men and of women. I have been fighting against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, and I've done my very best. Fought the good fight. In this fight, the battle lines are drawn. The enemy of your souls, the devil, wants to wipe you out. He wants to take you out. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. The word of God says, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And so these two are diametrically opposed the one to another. Thus, we are thrust into a warfare. There was a famous movie. And at the end, the wasted fighter keeps mumbling to himself, I could have been a contender. I could have been a contender. I could have been a contender. Unfortunately, there is no prize. uh, There is no crown uh, for the could have beens. The only ones who win are the champions, are the winners. And the apostle Paul says, I fought the good fight. He says in Corinthians, I fight not like one who just beats the air. I'm not just a shadow boxer out there flailing my arms away, uh, but I am fighting a very real enemy. And he says, my purpose is I am contending for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Uh, And this great missionary, this great apostle describes this fight, this battle he's been involved in. I want you to turn to Acts 20. Look at some of his fighting along the way. Begin to see his priority. Acts 20. Look at verse number 18. And when they had come to know him, he said to them, You know from the very first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught it public from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also the Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, He says, I have cried for you. I have labored among you. Uh, I have prayed for you. Uh, I have stood with you. Uh, I have fought with you. Uh, I have established churches all along the way. This time he's writing the Ephesians. Uh, I have labored. I have toiled. I have fought the good fight. I'm battling for souls. Paul says, I don't want to see one Ephesian lost. 
As I bring the word to you this week and every single week, uh, my cry, my prayer is, uh, I don't want one person who enters these doors to be lost. And so we fight and we pray and we labor and we intercede and we seek God. Fought the good fight. He says the same things in Romans 1 and Romans 15. Now, Paul's not describing an athletic contest here when he talks about a good fight, but it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual warfare, and that warfare will determine your eternal destiny. 1952, there was a very dramatic moment in sports history. Before my time, by the way. Rocky Marciano was in the ring with Jersey Joe Walcott. And they were fighting this intense fight in the ring. Rocky Marciano came over the top with an overhand right. It knocked Jersey Joe Walcott to the ground and knocked him out cold. When they revived him, they asked him, what happened? What happened in that fight that you were taking out with one blow? And Walcott said this, I never saw it. Satan wants to knock you off your feet. He wants to knock you out. He wants to send you to that eternal canvas never to rise again. Uh, He wants to hear you count it out forever uh, and bring that count upon you by the ultimate referee. He wants to hurt you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to humiliate you. And he seeks to get you with that one knockout punch you never see coming. It's the one you don't expect. It's the one you don't see coming. That's the most dangerous blow there is. And Satan knows that, so he times his punches accordingly. Most men never set out with adultery on their mind. It's the blow they never saw coming. Most teens don't make an arbitrary decision to become junkies or drug addicts. It's the blow they never saw coming. Most teenage girls never start out to get pregnant. The blow they didn't see coming. The man on death row did not make execution his final goal in life. But suddenly, without warning, the blow is struck. It's that night in the motel room. It's the one-night stand. It's the desperation for another fix. It's the banging of a gavel. And the judge says, guilty is charged. And you never saw it coming. But that blow will send you to the canvas, destroy you. And most of the time, the victim never saw the blow coming. Listen, what do we do? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your priorities right in life. Have some kind of spiritual backbone that when you are faced in the hour of temptation and trial, you'll say, no, how can I do this sin against my Lord and my God who gave his life for me? Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. You'll be challenged every step of the way. uh, But I want to tell you, if you'll keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you can make it. Fought the good fight. Second analogy is of a runner. He says, I finished the race. He didn't say I won the race. He just says, I finished the race. I finished the race. 
the Christian life is not a 50-yard dash. I've said it many times before. I'll say it again. The Christian life is not a 50-yard dash. All of us look good those first 20, 30, 40 yards. Some of us about 50 it's doing us in. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. And Paul says, I finished. I ran the entire thing. I finished. You see, it's not how you start, but how you finish that counts. I finished the race. And his focus was not so much on winning, but on crossing the finish line. You say, why do you say just crossing the finish line? Well, let me tell you about a marathon, 26 miles. If you can finish a marathon, you've won. Right? May not be first, you've won. I uh, Last April, I ran in the Cooper River Bridge Run. I've never done it in my life. I thought, why not? I'd lost a little weight, been working out, and so I got up early with a few other buddies, and we headed down to the Cooper River and took the shuttle over there to run that particular race. That morning, there were 38,600 runners. Now, keep in mind, this is not a marathon. It's a 10K race, or to put it in terminology, you might understand, 6.2 miles. And uh, my goal was to just try to make it without stopping. That just to, my goal was to finish. If I could just finish, now if I could run the entire way, to me that would be a major accomplishment. Now, th- this, is, this is something I'd never done before. And so I'm trying to do it now. Now, when you get up, you're lined up, and there's a whole mass of people, and you're packed in there together. And, of course, they're all stretching. So I look around, well, I guess I ought to stretch too. And, you know, what everybody else is doing, I'm trying to do it. Look like a real runner, you know, stretching out the quads, doing all that kind of stuff. I don't know what I'm doing out there. And they bring the Kenyans or the elite runners up to the front of the pack. I want to tell you, I had every one of those guys scared because I was in the race. <laughs> they bring the elite runners, and they all go to the front of the pack, and you start out running the gun sounds, and, it, and you're so far back in the pack when you put your time down that by the time you get to the starting line, you've already run a mile, and you're wore out, and huffing and puffing. Say, okay, race is over. I said, no, that's the starting line. I'm going, oh, great. A long way to go. And, you, and you're, you're jogging that the first couple of miles. You're about a mile and a half before you hit the bridge. Then you hit the bridge, and about 6% incline. And I thought I was going to die. And I just kept telling myself, okay, just put one foot in front of the other. One foot in fr- I just kept on one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. You can do this. And I was so tired going up that bridge, and, and, and you hit that wall. I hit the wall about the first 150 yards, but you, all the way through was a wall for me. And I made it to the top, and I thought, if I can just get to the top, I'll, I'll – I'll, give myself a break and walk a little bit. Well, then you're downhill, and you can, I can do this. And so your, your momentum carries you, and you just put one foot in front of the other. And then you get to the bottom of the bridge, and you thought, if I can just make it there, I may walk a little bit, catch my breath. And I got to the bottom, and I looked at my time, and I said, you know, if I can keep going, I can have a sub one-hour time. And uh, I said, I'm going tr- to keep running. And so I kept putting one foot in the other, and I'm dying. And every turn we rounded in the city, I'm thinking there's going to be the finish line. Well, we go down another turn and another turn another turn, and you had a couple more miles. Anyway, the bottom line is I finished 6,718th. Now, listen, I wasn't near winning. I was so far back of those, that Ethiopian who won and all the Kenyans who were all around him that won the race, 
I, I, I didn't win. There was no way you could win a race like that. But Paul says, I finished the race. I made it. I never stopped. I kept putting one foot in front of another spiritually. And Paul says, I have finished the race. Now, for you that are looking at me and said, I don't believe he did that. I just want to tell you, brought the newspaper right here. And if, if you want to look it up, just to double check, it's under Berg soccer. So that's why I couldn't find it for a long time. And I guess it's my penmanship that gave it away. But anyway, we did complete the race. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at Paul's account of this race. 2 Corinthians 11 and 23. By the way, that's my last race too. First and last. 2 Corinthians 11 and 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes of a measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils, waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil, in sleepiness often, in hunger, in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, uh, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is made to stumble, and do I not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in these things, in the things that concern my infirmity. Uh, I want to tell you, in spite of all the opposition, in spite of the test and the trials along the way, he never stopped running. Listen, I don't know anybody in here who's been beaten for their faith. I don't know anyone in this room today who's been in prison for their faith. You may have. I may not know your story. You may have been thrown in jail for your faith. I don't know of any. I don't know if anybody's been stoned in this house today. But I want to tell you, in spite of all that the apostle Paul went through, he never, ever gave up. He kept on running. He kept putting one foot in front of the other. And I want to challenge you, church, don't give up in this marathon and following Christ and running the race. It's worth it. You can do it. You can do it. Never quit. The third analogy says, I've kept the faith. I've kept the faith. You have the image of a steward who has faithfully guarded his boss's deposit. And so I've kept the faith. I've guarded the faith. I've watched the faith. I've been faithful to my boss and my owner, and I've guarded it all well. And he goes on to say, I competed according to the rules in the Greek games. The athletes had to take a solemn oath to, that they would compete honorably and honestly. And so he says, I followed and kept all the rules. Uh, I've kept the faith. I follow the rules. Uh, I follow this book. Uh, I've, le- I- I've done all I could to be faithful to it. Paul's at the end of this race. He says, I've com- kept my commitment to God. Listen to 2 Timothy 1 and 12. And I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded 
that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Listen, today, long-range commitments have been replaced by short-range gratification. We want to feel good, we want happiness, and we want it right now. And so we'll trade off the future for the momentary pleasures of the present. Paul says, I've kept the faith. I've kept the, I haven't cashed it in for a momentary pleasures. There was a lady at her 50th wedding anniversary. And they asked her a question. They said, in all these years, did you ever consider divorce? And she looked back and said, no, never. Murder often, but never divorce. Listen, no matter what the struggles may be, Paul kept his faith. He never, ever quit. And now he looks back on his life. He has no regrets. Paul wasn't always popular. He wasn't always loved. He wasn't always comfortable. He wasn't wealthy along his journey. But he remained faithful. That's what counts, church. You're faithful. You kept the faith. I want to tell you it's worth it. Worth it. It says in verse number eight, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness uh, with the righteous judge will give me on that day of his appearing. Uh, Now they had in the Olympic games, they would take a laurel wreath uh, and when the competition was over, they would put that laurel wreath on their head uh, signifying their victory. Uh, But soon that laurel wreath uh, would shrivel up. uh, It would turn brown. uh, The leaves would fall off uh, and it would be gone. Uh, But I want to tell you, there is an eternal reward uh, that never ever fades away and it is called a crown of righteousness. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't believe that we're going to walk around eternity with big crowns on our head. You want a crown, that's fine. You're walking on pavement made of gold, so crowns with jewels is probably not going to be a real big deal. What's he mean when he talks about a crown of righteousness? Paul defines that crown in other passages. Listen to it. Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Who's the crown? Every single soul that Paul led to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every church he started, uh, everybody who bowed down and asked Christ in their lives uh, because of the witness and testimony of the Apostle Paul. That's his crown. You're my crown. You're my joy. You're not too excited about that. Let me give you another verse then. Maybe this will help you. It's 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. For what is our hope, our joy, Our crown of rejoicing, is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. The crown for Paul would be all the Philippians who came to know the Lord, uh, all the Thessalonians, uh, all the Corinthians, uh, all the Ephesians, uh, all those he took the gospel to, uh, all those churches he planted uh, as he traveled throughout the Roman Empire. 
And now there would be a host of believers uh, who would follow him into glory. He said, this is my crown. This is my joy. This is what it's all about. Uh, Taking our friends and family and neighbors uh, into the kingdom of God with us. That's our crown. That's our joy. And now he's discipling Timothy, who would in turn train other faithful soldiers. And it would be passed on from generation to generation to generation. You see, this this whole series from 1 and 2 Timothy has been about equipping believers. But it's always equipping believers to do the work of the ministry. We're equipped. We come to church. We're fed. We go to classes. They're great. We're learning the Bible. That's super. Church, what are we doing with it? Are we missional? Are we fulfilling that purpose for which God designed your cruise ship to fulfill? Are you just sitting in harbor, coming week after week, safe in harbor, a harbor from the storm, a harbor from the wind, I'm in port, nothing can hurt me now. You know, I'm closing out this equipping series with 2 Timothy 4. I'm at the end of the book. But I'm also launching missions convention. You say, how does it tie together? It has everything to do with each other. We're equipped to do missions. We're equipped to take the gospel all around the world. We're equipped to lead our friends and neighbors to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our equipment is for missions. Our purpose is not just to make heaven, but take as many people with us as we can. And that's what missions is all about. That's why we gave this morning. To take the gospel to Saudi Arabia and Iraq and Iran. That's why you gave in that missions offering. And what happens is you share in their reward. That's why next Sunday morning I'll take a faith promise pledge. And you guys are going to sacrifice. And you're going to give above your tithes. And you're going to give missions offerings every month to take this gospel all around the world. Why? Because that becomes your crown of righteousness. That's why we're here. That's why we work. That's why I earn a paycheck. To give it away. To take the gospel around the world. That's why we go on missions trips. That's why we take men and we'll go in November and we'll build a church in Dominican Republic and we'll lay blocks and we'll sweat. And I will tell you, I will work harder those nine days and I work all year long. It is backbreaking. It's killing, grueling work. But we walk out and those people gather around and they cry and say, we've got a church we've never had before. And there's there's men and women who come in there who give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ not just then but generation after generation Uh, that's why doctors and nurses from this church uh, pack their bags and go overseas Uh, they can make a whole lot more doctoring and nursing in the United States Uh, they go and pay their own way uh, and they help people and they treat their diseases and then they share the gospel of Jesus Christ and they fill up that church the men are building while we give That's why we go. That's why we have missions conventions. Not just something to put on our schedule. Not just another nice program. 
This is our purpose. This is our reason. This is what we're all about. It's not a bless me party. This is not a bless me party. It's about propagating and spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, but when we get to heaven, the Bible describes a scene. There will be those from every tribe and every language and every nationality. And they will be around the throne glorifying God. And hopefully many of them will be there because you told them or you gave or you went. And Paul says, look at this text very carefully. I love this. He says, finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge. Now, Paul had stood before many corrupt judges in his day uh, who condemned him for sharing the gospel. Finally, he's going to get before the righteous judge who writes the books. Will give to me on that day. And look at the last phrase. And not to me only but also to all those who have loved his appearing. You see, that crown of righteousness is not just for the super apostles. The crown of righteousness is not just for the Mike Clarks and Laura Clarks who are getting ready to go to that war-torn part of the world. But the crown of righteousness, God promises to all those who love is appearing. That means I get one, you get one, because I can't wait till God comes back. I can't wait for his appearing. And he says, well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If you have been obedient to the calling of God, if you've been fulfilling your purposes, then your heart beats within you for the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't wait to see him. But you know what? If you're just kind of doing your own thing, you'll say, God, wait till after my vacation. Wait till after I get married. Wait till after I do this or that, whatever it might be. Listen, when you're working in the purposes of God, all you think about is the appearing of the Lord. Uh, When that ship sails harbor, you fulfill what God has called you to do. Church, are we going to do it? How many are with me? How many many want to do this thing? How many want to finish well? Finish well. It's not how you start church. uh, It's how you finish. got to finish well. So church, let's be missional in everything we do. Let's stand together. Everyone standing. Thank you, Jesus. Father, right now, I thank you for your word. The word of God. The, the words the apostle Paul penned through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the marvelous example he's given every one of us today. Pray, God, you'll help us in this fight we're in. Pray, God, we won't be caught blindsided by Satan. He won't get us with that sucker punch. But, God, we'll be ready. We'll be looking. We'll be fully engaged in the spiritual warfare. I pray, God, in this race, we won't stop running. Won't quit. We'll keep putting one foot in front of the other come to the end of our journey. I pray God will guard this faith and we'll guard this treasure and we'll keep it and we'll share it and we'll spread it and we'll, we'll 
will guard that deposit you've given us and become messengers for you. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this challenge today. Now I pray, God, for anyone in here who has not yet started the race, who hasn't surrendered their heart and life to you. Pray, mighty God, that before they leave, they'll get it straight. They'll get eternity in mind. They'll receive you. You might cleanse them. You might forgive them. You might set them free from their sin and bondage. Give them your glorious gift of everlasting life. That's in your mighty name. Amen. Every head's bowed, every eye closed. This podcast has been a presentation of Faith Assembly, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Thank you for listening this week.